So now we are continuing in our series in the Gospel of Mark, and we come to Mark chapter 7, verses 24 to 37. So I ask you, please turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. Beginning in verse 24. Hear now the eternal living word of God. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician, by birth. And she begged him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue and looked up to heaven. He sighed and said to him, Ephphatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of the Lord. As we've been studying the Gospel of Mark, we've been seeing more of Jesus revealed over each chapter. Jesus has been showing his power over his kingdom. As the Messiah, he's been teaching about the coming of the kingdom of God, revealing more about the nature of the kingdom itself. And last week, we learned about the sinful nature of humanity and God, the loving Father, who forgives his children who trust in him. And although you were born with a sinful heart, Jesus came to give you a new heart, he came to make you pure of heart. And so Jesus, up to this point in Mark's gospel, has been mostly proclaiming the coming of the kingdom of God to the Jewish people. He's been ministering in Galilee and in the surrounding areas, performing miracles there and teaching about the kingdom. But now, in today's passage, Jesus moves beyond the borders of Jewish territory into the land 
of Gentiles. And Gentiles is just the word for non-Jewish people. Jesus taught a parable back in chapter 4 that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. That is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds come and perch in its branches. He was teaching that the seemingly insignificant and small kingdom of God would expand. It would become a great kingdom. And the Gentiles would be included. And this morning we see the beginning of this expansion. The ministry of Jesus begins with the people of Israel. But from there, it goes to the rest of the world. Salvation is from the Jewish people to the whole world. And salvation comes to the world through Jesus. The expansion of the kingdom of God means that salvation comes to you through Jesus. Jesus is your redeemer who laid down his life for you. And you can trust in him for everything in your life. Our passage this morning follows the confrontation we studied last week between Jesus and the Pharisees over ritual purity. But now Jesus departs from Galilee and heads to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus is leaving the land of the Jewish people and going to the land of the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And Tyre had a long history of antagonism to Israel. It was known for its paganism. But even in this Gentile pagan land, the fame and the attraction of Jesus could not be contained. He enters a house and he didn't want anyone to know he was there, but he could not be hidden. In verse 25 it says, But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. This woman is a Gentile, a Syrophoenician specifically, which is a land that is infamous for pagans. Mark is letting us know how, how much was against this person who was approaching Jesus in this scene. First, she is a woman, and a woman in this culture would not be approaching a rabbi in this way. But even more so, she was a Gentile, a pagan. Dealing with her and her situation with her daughter would have been beneath any self-respecting rabbi of this time. But she fell down at the feet of Jesus and she begged him to help her daughter. And this is similar to the, what happened with Jairus. Jairus was a man of high status. He was a ruler of a synagogue and he came and fell down at Jesus' feet begging that he would heal his daughter. But this was a Gentile woman, not someone a Jewish rabbi would even consider helping. And Jesus then responds to her in an unusual way. In verse 27, he says, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. This is a response that most people, or many people, find to be offensive. This woman is asking Jesus for help to cast out a demon out of her daughter. And Jesus' response seems to be referring to her as a dog. But Jesus is establishing a principle of redemption that had been promised of the Messiah. 
the prophet Isaiah spoke of the servant of Yahweh, the servant of the Lord that is to come. And he said that the servant of the Lord, the Messiah, must first restore the tribes of Jacob and then be a light to the nations. Jesus is speaking of the priority of his ministry to Israel compared to his ministry to the Gentiles, particularly with regarding the teaching about the kingdom of God. The children must be fed first, means his ministry is to begin to restore the people of Israel first, God's covenant people, then be a light to the nations from Israel. And the Greek word translated as dogs here isn't the usual word for the wild, unkempt street dogs. It's a different word. It's implying a small dog that could be kept in the house as a pet. But Jesus isn't simply establishing this principle that he is to teach and minister to Israel first, then the Gentiles. He's also drawing out a response from this woman. There are no accidents or mistakes in the ministry of Jesus. He's not surprised by this moment. He didn't come to the land of the Gentiles to tell them he's not going to minister to them. He came here with a purpose. And now through this woman and her plea, his purpose for being there is being revealed. And so the woman answers Jesus in verse 28. She says, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Amazingly, this Gentile woman responds to Jesus, not in despair, but with hope. She even refers to Jesus as Lord. And she shows a a better understanding of the mission of Israel's Messiah than the people of Israel themselves have shown to this point. She knows that the salvation God brings overflows out of Israel to the world. She knows that God's redemption comes from Israel to the rest of the world. And that although the mission is first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles, The Gentiles are a part of God's plan of salvation. And she shows a complete faith that Jesus will save her daughter, in spite of all the cultural norms that he would be violating doing so. She has faith in the saving power of Jesus. She has faith in the love of God beyond the people of Israel. And so Jesus responds to her saying, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And when she went home, she found her daughter and the demon had left her. Jesus shows here that he doesn't even need to be physically present to cast out a demon. Just by the word of his power, even at a physical distance, he can do this. And he does cast out the demon from this girl because of the faith of her mother. But more importantly, he shows that the kingdom of God has come not only for the people of Israel, but for the Gentiles as well. And this is no small point. The Jewish people are a tiny fragment of the world's population. And this means that everyone else are Gentiles. And God is showing his love for all of humanity through his son. God so loved the world. That is, he loved people from all over the earth that he sent his son to die for them. Jesus came to save people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, and that includes you. Most of, if not everyone here, is a Gentile, and so God's Savior came from Israel, but everyone who believes 
regardless of your country of origin, of, regardless of your heritage, regardless of your wealth or status in society, through faith in Jesus Christ, you enter the kingdom of God. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you receive the salvation that only he brings. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you become a child of God and you receive all the blessings a child of God is given. You receive all the blessings that Jesus himself deserves. And it's through God's plan to bless all the people outside of Israel, God's plan to save the world, that salvation of Jesus comes to you. It's through this plan to reach out to the Gentiles that all the blessings of God come to you. And so in ministering to the people, Jesus shows the power of the kingdom of God. He shows his power over the demons. He shows his power over human illness. He shows that he is the king who is worthy of your praise, who is worthy of your trust. And so it's him that you should go to with your problems. And he'll give you everything you need. God wants you to go to him. He wants you to go to him in prayer and lead on him. He's expanded his kingdom and he's brought you into his family so that you'll rely on him as your loving father who cares for your every need. But there's a second episode in our passage this morning where Jesus returns from Tyre through Sidon and ends up by the Sea of Galilee in a region called Decapolis. Now, this is the second time Jesus has been to Decapolis. The first is where he cast out the legion of demons from a man and sent them into a group of pigs. But this time is different. This time they want his help. It says they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Now, in order to understand what's going on in this passage, the Greek word that is translated as speech impediment is the word magalalos. And this is used only in one other place in the Bible. And it's from our responsive reading in Isaiah 35. After chapter after chapter of God, Isaiah proclaiming God's judgment on Israel and all the nations around them, in chapter 35, he then begins to give oracles of hope. And in this message of hope, he foretells of the kingdom of God that the Messiah would bring. And then in verses 5 and 6, he says, when the Messiah would come, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame man should leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word for mute is magalalas, the same word that is used here. Isaiah 35 is infused with hope and joy. It's a proclamation of the future hope that will be brought about by the Messiah who ushers in the kingdom of God. And Mark is showing us and alluding to Isaiah 35 that Jesus is the one who brings about this joy. Jesus is the fulfillment of the hope promised in Isaiah. And this joy and hope is not only for the people of Israel, but for all who believe in their Messiah, Jesus. And in his healing of this deaf and mute man, Jesus shows his compassion for human suffering again. Jesus first takes this man away from the crowd because he doesn't want what he's about to do to be misunderstood. He puts his finger in the man's ear, he spat, 
And then he touches the man's tongue. And then he says in, in Aramaic, Afafa, which means be opened. Jesus didn't want anyone to confuse this action with some sort of ritual healing or some sort of magic. Jesus did all of this because this man was completely incapable of verbal communication. He spoke through physical touch and movement that this man could understand. He put his finger in his ear to say that he was giving him the ability to hear. He spit and touched the man's tongue to say that he was giving him the ability to speak. And he glanced up to heaven to say that God is the one who is healing you. Jesus wanted this man and his friends to know that he wasn't healing him through some sort of magic, but it was through the healing power of God. It was through the power of the kingdom of God that Jesus healed him. And he even gave a sigh toward heaven because of the grief of human suffering. The consequences of the fall of Adam and Eve go beyond being born with a sinful nature. The whole of creation groans in agony. You are a broken sinner in a broken world. But God loves you right where you are. He sent his son to make things right. God had every right to destroy the world, destroy all the sinners in it, but he has compassion on his children. He sent his son to die so that you may be righteous in his sight, so that sin would be no more and that the suffering that is a consequence of sin would be no more. Jesus is showing his power to restore creation, specifically to restore humanity from our brokenness. And once again, after healing this man, Jesus charged him and his friends not to tell anyone. But once again, they went away and told people anyway. And the people who heard the news were astonished beyond measure. They said, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear. And then you speak. Jesus is fulfilling the, the promises of God. He is bringing joy to this world through the power of the kingdom of God. And he is doing these things well. Jesus healed this man not as a boast. Not to show off how powerful he is. But to show his compassion. He entered this man's world of silence and communicated through physical touch. He healed him with compassion because he not only mourns sin, but he mourns the human suffering that comes as a consequence of sin. He came to undo the effects of sin. He came to restore creation to our joyous purpose. He is the creator himself. Come as a human to suffer with us and to heal us from our suffering. Jesus redeems you from your sin and he restores you from your brokenness. His work in casting out the demons and healing this deaf and dumb man are just a sign of what is to come. Because when he returns, all will be healed. When he returns, sin and mourning and death and suffering will be no more. And until then, you're to remember that it's Jesus that makes you whole. It's Jesus that restores you. When you are suffering in this world, you are to go to him. He heals you spiritually, physically. The problems in your life should bring you to him as they did this Gentile woman and this deaf and mute man. But Jesus also models how we are to minister in his name. 
Because he calls you as a disciple to love and care for the people of this world as he did. He calls you to have compassion on the people around you, your family, your friends, your neighbors. He calls you to love them. You are to be a part of God's love for the world. You are to be a part of God making things right by caring for sinners with compassion. First, your church. Loving this congregation that God has called you to, but then to the world around you, your neighbor. God heals you with love so that you can love the world on his behalf. Until that day when Jesus returns, And calls all his people to be with him. And then he will fully restore all of creation. And the joy and the power of the Lord will be with you and I and every one of his people. Every minute for the rest of eternity. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we we come this morning as people who are in this world. Broken sinners in a broken world. Suffering in many ways. But we come knowing that you sent your son to redeem us. To purchase us with his blood so that we could be reconciled with you. And he also comes to restore us. He restores us spiritually. He restores us physically and emotionally. Lord, in your spirit, help us to come to you with our problems. That any problem we have... We begin with reconciling our vertical relationship with you. That we'll remember your son and his love for us. And we will spread that love to each other. To the world around us. That everyone may know of your salvation that comes in your son Jesus Christ. And so it's in his glorious and precious name we pray. Amen.